Welcome to The Little Sleep Show, a podcast about helping your children and family get the sleep you need. Hosted by Laura Meyercourt. Hello and welcome back to The Little Sleep Show. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm an infant and child sleep consultant. So today we are talking all about how to make bedtime easier. I know for a lot of you parents out there, Just getting your child to relax and settle down at bedtime is half the battle. And then what happens during the night is the other half the battle. So I'm going to give you all the different elements that go into making bedtime a peaceful, calm time for you and your child. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's no magical trick that I'm going to teach you today. Sorry if that's what you are looking for, but I am going to go through many different ways, kind of like a checklist of ways that you can help encourage your child to be calmer and more relaxed at bedtime and for you as well. You know, bedtime can be a great time for connection with your child. It can be a great time for that emotional connection because kids during the day sometimes are so distracted by what's going on around them, by playing, all those things. And they're not able to share as much with us as we'd like to hear about their day. But a lot of times parents find that at bedtime, their child is more willing to talk to them, share things with them, ask questions. I want to help you turn bedtime from something you dread into something that you look forward to. I want to begin with things that you can do before bedtime to help your child so that they're able to calm down and be more relaxed when it's time to go to bed. I have a little list here of things before bedtime that are important for relaxation. Nutrition is one, and I did an entire episode on nutrition and sleep. What are the pro-sleep foods? What are the anti-sleep foods? So foods that help encourage sleep and foods that can hinder sleep for your child. So to get into that, In detail, I would go back and listen to my nutrition and sleep episode. Another very important part of getting ready for bedtime and for sleep is physical exercise or physical activity. Children need lots of physical activity in order to be tired enough for naps or for sleep. And I know this was particularly an issue during the earlier days of coronavirus, especially here in Chicago, where I live, because it was pretty cold, probably the first month or month and a half of coronavirus quarantine. And we were stuck inside and our kids were stuck inside and it was very abrupt and very sudden. We were just coming out of winter here and it was finally, you know, we were finally able to get outside a little bit and then boom, we got hit with quarantine. And I know a lot of the sleeping issues that came up for our children, but also for us, were because we weren't getting enough physical activity during the day. So making sure your child gets enough exercise, particularly before bedtime, you can do some active play or silly play. And it's a great time to bond with your child, but it's also a great time for them to get out that excess energy and any of the, any of the excess stress hormones that they have. And I have a whole episode on that as well, The Power of Play, where I talk about how important play is in relation to sleep. Another part of the physical activity and exercise is getting enough natural sunlight. So natural sunlight will help set your child's circadian rhythms, help them differentiate between day and night in their brains, 
it's very important to set the internal clock with getting enough bright sunlight during the day. So using light and dark to our advantage, when it's time to wake up in the morning, we want to open up the windows or turn on bright lights and get our child used to the idea that this is wake up time. You know, their brains will shut off that melatonin production. And then when it's time to get ready for bed, and I'll talk about this a little more when I talk about transitions, we can start to dim the lights in the house. And so that the whole mood of the house kind of calms down. Getting enough connection during the day I just did an episode on connection with Renee Thompson of Parenting Littles on Instagram. And we talk about how important it is to get connection during the day so that your child's cup is filled. And at bedtime or in the middle of the night, they aren't looking for as much of that connection and attention because they're full with your connection during the day. And I know that this is easier said than done, but Renee gives a lot of really simple ways to integrate connection into your day. And finally, something that I talk about quite often on this podcast is having our child's bedroom conducive to sleep. Some of the most important elements of that is darkness. Is it dark enough so that it's not stimulating their brains rather than relaxing their brains? So make sure that you have um, room darkening shades or room darkening blinds and that there's not light sources peeking through from those. Also, if you need to use a nightlight for yourself, either if you're checking on a baby in the middle of the night or if your child has some fears and they they requested some light in their room, I really recommend using an amber or red nightlight or a salt lamp nightlight. Those can be found really easily on Amazon. And even if you search for amber nightlight, the light from the amber nightlight or the warmer colored nightlights do not affect melatonin production as much as if you're having a bright bright white or a bright blue light in the room. It can potentially stimulate your child rather than calm them. And also I recommend not putting the nightlight in direct sight line of your child. So if you can put it behind a piece of furniture or on the side of a piece of furniture, just so it's not right in their sight line. Because even if your child's eyes are closed, the light is still registering in their brain, which is why darkness is so important. Also using continuous white noise is very important so that sounds out either inside the home or outside the home aren't disturbing your child. You know, when you're f- trying to fall asleep, you're going through very light stages of sleep in order to get to deep sleep. And any little noise can kind of startle you awake again. So if you're using the white noise machine, it's going to eliminate the possibility of that at bedtime and also during the night. And it can just become something that's very soothing and comforting for your child. And it can also become a cue for sleep. When you turn on the white noise machine and you turn off the light and you close the door, they know that it's time to sleep. So that can become part of your bedtime ritual with your child. Is the room the correct temperature? So is it too cool or is it too warm for your child to be able to sleep comfortably? And then finally, is your is your child's room safe? So this is particularly important when you have toddlers or older children that are able to climb out of bed or get out of bed on their own. We want to just make sure there's no cords that are exposed. There's no strings from curtains that are hanging down or blinds, nothing that they can climb on and tip over. So just do a quick check of your child's room and be sure. That way you know that if you need to leave them in their room, if you're trying to practice 
letting them fall asleep on their own, you know that they're safe in their room and you don't have to worry as much that they're going to hurt themselves when they get out of bed. So those are some things that we can do during the day to help encourage calm and relaxation at bedtime. Now I want to talk about the actual bedtime. So I've talked about this in a bunch of my previous podcasts, and that is figuring out what the correct age-appropriate bedtime is for your child, and also figuring out what the correct age-appropriate number of naps is and how to space those naps out so they don't interfere with bedtime. So I recommend finding a chart of sleep averages by age, and keep in mind that this is only averages. It's not going to apply to every single child, but it at least gives you a ballpark figure. It gives you windows that you can start to look at to see if your bedtime is appropriate for your child or if you're kind of way off. You know, I've had families come to me for sleep help that have been an hour or two off what should be an appropriate bedtime for their child. And once we start to walk that back and adjust that for the child, it is so much easier for the child to fall asleep at bedtime and then it's also easier for them to sleep through the night. One of the charts that I use and I really recommend is on babysleepsite.com and I'll leave it linked down below in the show notes. It's really nice because it breaks it down by month and then after, I think it's after age um, two, it goes by year. It basically gives you what an appropriate bedtime window is for your child what the wake windows are for your child, which is the time between when they wake up from one sleep period and when they go to sleep for the next one. And something to keep in mind with wake windows, especially in the earlier months, that even 15 minutes can make a difference. So even if you're pushing your child 15 minutes or 20 minutes past when they should be sleeping, it can make a difference in their ability to fall asleep because then they begin to get overtired very quickly when they're little. So you want to begin, make sure you begin the bedtime routine earlier than your target bedtime. So about, you know, see how long your routine takes you, time it one night, and then begin the bedtime routine, say 30 minutes early so that your child is in their crib or in their bed and they're falling asleep within 15 to 20 minutes. And that's how you know you have a great bedtime for your child is that 15 to 20 minute window of when they're in bed and when they fall asleep. That's kind of a really easy way to tell if your bedtime is on target or not. If your child is laying there for a very long time and they're unable to fall asleep, you've either put them down in bed too early and they're not tired enough or the nap before bedtime has interfered and it's it's not allowed them to get tired enough or they're down too late and their body's already producing the cortisol and adrenaline that's pushing them awake and making them hyperactive. So definitely getting the actual bedtime right is a very, very important part of bedtime. And it's one that parents can overlook sometimes, but you have to realize how delicate your child's system is. It's so easy for them to get overstimulated. So making sure that they're not overtired and that your bedtime routine is not going on too long past the target bedtime is very, very important. Another part of the bedtime is consistent bedtime. So your child has an internal clock. Once they get used to having meals and naps and bedtime at certain times, their body can then physiologically prepare them for meals and for bed. And then it becomes a lot easier for them to settle during these sleep periods. 
Now, that's not, you know, a guarantee that your child is going to be able to settle at bedtime or nap time, but it's definitely something that helps. A common question I get from parents is, what about in the summertime, I want my kids to stay up later and enjoy the time with neighbors and friends, or what if there's a family vacation or there's a family party and I want them to stay awake? And my general answer is that consistency is the most important thing. So if your child is mostly consistent with their bedtime and able to fall asleep within that 15 to 20 minute window, then you don't really have to worry as much about keeping your child up a little later on some nights for special occasions. I always say to make this the exception rather than the rule because you can get into a cycle of overtiredness and sometimes you can also shift past what's an optimal wake time and bedtime for your child and that can kind of mess things up. You know, if your child is sleeping in too late in the morning and then it's affecting different nap times, you know, we do have biological times kind of set in our bodies that are ideal times for wake time and for sleep time and then for naps for little kids. So if we are shifting that too much away, it's going to just make things more difficult at nap time or at bedtime for your child to settle. Something to also think about, and I mentioned this a little earlier, is your daily routine conducive to bedtime. So do you have definite times of the day when you're transitioning, for instance, after dinner? Do you have rituals that you do after dinner in order to transition to bedtime? So nobody goes from dinner time straight to bedtime, unless you have a little one and you're eating, you're, you have to have them eat dinner really late one night and then you have to get them right to bed. Most of the time, we have some time in between dinner time and bedtime. I really recommend during those times to try to take screen time out of the equation. And I know for older kids, this is a little harder. And I'll be real honest with our own kids. They watch screen time at night, but that's during the summer. During the school year, we do have them stop screen time one hour before bed. You know, the thing about screen time, especially with little kids, is it can contribute to nighttime fears and nightmares. It can just be too stimulating for them. But also that the blue light from the electronic, whatever it is, if it's an iPad or if it's a phone or if it's a TV, is inhibiting the melatonin production. And we need melatonin in order to be able to start to relax and calm down for bed. So if you can eliminate your child watching TV or watching a screen at least an hour before bed. I Two hours would be optimal, but if you can do it an hour before bed, that would probably really help your child's ability to settle. So if you can do some family playtime or if you can have them do some quiet playtime by themselves or some art time or some reading time, something that will allow them to make that transition from you know daytime activity to nighttime calm. You can also, after dinner, is a great time to do family silly playtime. This is a great way, as I said in the beginning, to help your kids get out that extra energy that might prevent them from settling before bed. So something like hide and seek or duck, duck, goose, something that's very physical that the whole family can participate in, a dance party. I give lots of ideas in my episode on the power of play. If you're looking for different ways to incorporate this active play or silly play before bedtime. So just being sure that what you're doing, you're doing somewhat consistently every single night. Again, this prepares your child's body and brain for sleep. It's giving them these subtle cues that we're moving closer and closer to bedtime. So the more regular you can be with 
the rhythms and the routines that you do during the day, the easier it will be for your child to know what's coming up for them. And when children know what's coming up for them, they feel safe and they feel secure. And that's what we need to be able to fall asleep. It's very important as well to give your child some verbal transition cues. So for instance, my stepson, Sean, needs verbal cues on how much time is left. So I know that, for instance, a couple nights ago, we needed them to go to bed really early because we were leaving to go out of town the following morning early. They usually are going to bed now at 10 p.m. during the summer. And so around eight o'clock, I went downstairs and I said, okay, tonight we're going to have bedtime at nine o'clock because we're getting up very early in the morning. And then there was no issue with him going to bed that early. If at 8.55, we went down and said, it's time to go to bed in five minutes, there would have been a big fight or a big tantrum about it. And so just knowing what your child needs as far as transitions, some little kids need to know, okay, in 10 minutes, we're going to get ready for bed. And then in five minutes, we're going to get ready to go upstairs. Okay, in one minute, we got one more minute to play. Some kids need that much of a transition. Again, the more your child is prepared and knows what to expect and what's expected of them, the less chance you have of having behavioral issues come up like tantrums or meltdowns. And that's not a guarantee that it's not going to happen. But in all my years of nannying, I never had a good experience when I would tell a child it's time to go upstairs right now without giving them any warning. There was always some kind of little resistance and it's just normal for children to resist. They would much rather be playing than go to bed, even if going to bed is what they need right now and it's the best thing for them. And then finally, I want to talk about bedtime routines. If you don't already have a bedtime routine established with your child, it's really easy to create one. The most important thing is to think about is this routine something that I can cons- or I or my partner and I can consistently do every single night? It's very important with the bedtime routine that it is consistent, it's in the same order, and that you have some limits and boundaries on things such as reading books or requests. And I'll get into that. A good kind of ballpark figure for a bedtime routine is about 30 minutes. And, you know, that can depend upon a lot of things. If you're giving your child a bath, maybe you want to start it even earlier than that. If you want to give them a good 15 to 20 minutes in the bath to relax, then you want to add a little more time onto it. So what you're doing is you're kind of counting down from your target time that your child needs to be in bed in order to have those 15 to 20 minutes to fall asleep. So for example... If your child's target sleep time is 7.30 p.m., you want to have them in bed and ready to go to sleep by 7.15. And that means starting the bedtime routine anywhere between 6.30 to 6.45. A good way to do this is to transition from wherever you are in the house. So if you're playing or doing whatever family activity you're doing, definitely after dinner, dim the lights in the house to make it a more calm environment. And then you want to transition to wherever your child sleeps. And you want to do the the bulk of the routine, with the exception of the bath, of course, in the room that your child is going to sleep in. So some examples of things to incorporate in a bedtime routine. It's pretty simple, but this just gives you some ideas. You could do a bath, then you could do pajamas and diaper change, read some books, drink your milk, another diaper change, put on a sleep sack, sing two songs, 
put them in their bed, turn out the light, turn on the white noise machine and leave the room. That's a really simple example of a bedtime routine that I've done with lots of kids that I've nannied for. So something to mention here, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier about setting up some boundaries with bedtime, is if you are regular in the routine that you do at bedtime and you do have a specific order in the way that you do things and you do have specific numbers of books or songs that you read or times when you ask your child if they need a drink, it's much easier to avoid the stalling techniques. If your child already knows mom or dad is very firm in the amount of books that we read or mom or dad are very firm when they say, this is your last call for requests. Do you need water? Do you need to go to the bathroom? When they know to expect those boundaries from you, are they still going to try to push them from time to time? Yes, but it's going to avoid an hour of stalling that a lot of families that come to me with two and three-year-olds particularly are going through every single night. So setting up those limits from the beginning and explaining them to your child and then being firm with them and knowing that your child is going to push limits and push boundaries and it's developmentally normal. It's not, it doesn't make you a bad parent for saying, no, we're not going to read one more book tonight. You're teaching your child that there are certain limits at bedtime and that the healthy thing for them to do is to go to bed. It's, I used this example a couple episodes ago, you know, if your child needs to go to the doctor and they're crying and they don't want to go to the doctor, do you then cancel the doctor appointment? No, you take them to the doctor because that's the right thing to do for them. It's exactly the same way at bedtime. Your child may cry and they may protest and you may feel bad but you're doing the best thing for your child, which is giving them a regular and consistent bedtime. So with older kids, I would say, you know, past age two, you can start to create a bedtime chart. And what this is, is um, with little kids, you can use pictures and you can, you know, either draw or use clip art or cut out of magazines and make a little chart of this is the things we do before we go to bed. When kids have a visual representation of something, It can help them so much because kind of abstract ideas and concepts are hard for kids to grasp, but having a visual example of first we brush our teeth, then we pick out our pajamas, then we read two books. It's going to help your child so much. It's there, you know, it's there in front of them. So when they say, I want to read one more book, you go over to the chart and you say, what does the chart say? It says we read two books. We've already read two books. So now it's time to move on to the next thing. It can really help a lot with a child who um, has trouble with stalling at bedtime. Something else that you can do is to give your child jobs at bedtime or give them choices at bedtime. So do you want to brush your teeth before or after you use the potty? Which pajamas do you want to wear? The Santa Claus pajamas or the blue star pajamas? You know, something like that where your child has choices. It's just going to help them feel like much more a part of the process and like they have a choice, even though they really, you know, we're moving them towards bedtime, which they don't have a choice in. But the more choices and involvement we can give them up to bedtime, it's just going to help them feel more empowered and less like they have no control over the situation. And when toddlers especially feel like they have no control, that's when the tantrums come out. Feeling of frustration of being out of control of the situation is what can sometimes provoke tantrums or meltdowns in toddlers and young kids. 
also empowering them by giving them choices or little jobs to do, like help me fill up the humidifier, you know, things like that, where you're kind of almost distracting them from the fact that they're moving towards bedtime can really help. Something else you can do is to establish a last call. And this is particularly for toddlers or preschoolers who are stalling. First of all, you want to talk with your child before you establish this. You want to tell them during the day, starting tonight, we're going to try something different. We're going to do something called last call, where right before I turn out the lights, I'm going to do a last call for requests. And this is when you tell me if you want a drink of water or if you need to go potty or if you want one more hug. And after I say last call and I turn out the light, there's no more requests and I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell you it's time to go to sleep if you call me after that. So that's a really easy way to have that conversation with your child. And it's not going to probably work on night one of you trying this, but if you are consistent with it and you really do not respond to your child's requests after last call, If your child is requesting things after last call regularly, then you know it's just another stalling technique. If your child has been cooperating with the last call requests and randomly two weeks down the line, they say, I really need a drink of water. It's okay to give in and give them the drink of water. But then if you see it repeating the following night or subsequent nights, you want to go back to the original script, which is, okay, we already did last call. It's time to go to sleep. Good night. And finally, I want to touch on helping your child learn how to relax. This is a skill that can really help your child's ability to be able to soothe themselves and to fall asleep. And even if they wake in the middle of the night to calm themselves. So at bedtime, there are many different ways you can help your child relax. I go into pretty great depth in this topic in my podcast on night nighttime fears. So if you want to learn more about helping your child relax, I would go back and listen to that episode. I give lots of different ways for different ages on helping your child relax. So one of my favorite ways to do this is just to have a conversation. And this is particularly for children who are older. I would say probably older than two and a half, three years old. They're they're verbal. You can talk to them about the day and also talk to them about what to look forward to tomorrow so that they have something positive to think about once you leave them in their bed. Another really great thing to do, and I've mentioned this in several of my podcasts, I believe, is teaching them about breathing. So if you have a little one who you can't explain something to yet, you can just simply deep breathe while holding them. So just hold your child in your arms and take deep breath in and take a deep breath out and repeat and It's something that your child will feel. They'll feel the calm from you and you don't even really need to explain it to them. And you can use this with older children as well. If you have a child who's very wound up at bedtime, you can just hold them and start to deep breathe and see if it helps them calm down. If your child is older, you can lay down with them in their bed or on the floor and put a stuffed animal on your belly and their belly and teach them how to make the stuffed animal go up and down with their breath. So that's something really easy that kids can learn. And then you can teach them, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're having trouble falling back to sleep, put your animal on your tummy and practice your, you know, practice making them go up and down. So you're really empowering your child by teaching them that breath has an influence over calming them. And honestly, as someone who suffers from 
periodic insomnia, what I do to put myself back to sleep in the middle of the night is I do deep breathing exercises, just breathing in and pausing and breathing out and pausing. And I would say probably 90% of the time it helps me fall back to sleep. So think about giving your child such an empowering skill from an early age, and they may not catch on to it right away. But if you're teaching your child when they're three, probably by the time they're six or seven, they're going to be able to use that tool to put themselves back to sleep if they're having trouble or to calm themselves and soothe themselves at bedtime if they're having trouble with that. So one final tip I want to give is how to adjust a bedtime, if your child's bedtime is way too late, if you've listened to this episode and done your research and you've realized, oh my gosh, my child's bedtime is like an hour later than it should be, I want to give you a tip on how to adjust it. So what you don't want to do is if your child, let's say they're going to bed at 8 p.m. and they should be going to bed at 7 p.m., you don't want to start putting them to bed right away at 7 p.m. because their internal clocks, even though it's an off bedtime for them, That's the time that their body is expecting them to sleep. And so if you put them down at seven, they're going to just lay there until eight o'clock anyway. What you can do is start to move the bedtime earlier by 15 minute increments. So start with 745 and do that and see how long it takes your child to fall asleep. Once they're falling asleep within 15 to 20 minutes, then you want to move it back another 15 minutes until you get to your desired bedtime. So what we don't want to do is shock your child's system by moving the bedtime in a, in a really drastic way. You know, the, the most I would ever move a bedtime is half an hour, unless if your child, you know, misses a big nap during the day, potentially you could put them down an hour early if they're absolutely melting down. But the most I generally recommend for adjusting bedtimes is about a half an hour. This should prevent your child laying there for long periods of time. And if they are, then you know that the bedtime is incorrect. And sometimes when we do this adjusting bedtimes, it can take quite a while. Sometimes it can take a week or more for your child to be able to fall asleep at the desired time. And if it's a really big shift, like an hour, sometimes it can take three to four weeks. You're shifting a body clock. It's almost like um, when you travel and you get jet lag. You know, if you're traveling to a different time zone, even if it's an hour or two off, sometimes it can take several days for you to get on that schedule. So just think about it that way. All right, that's my episode for this week. I hope that you've learned something that can help your child settle and relax at bedtime and just to make it a lot less stressful for all of you. And it might help for you to take three to five deep breaths before you even begin bedtime. You know, a lot of times families come to me when they're at the end of their ropes and everyone is really full of anxiety around bedtime and the whole routine and the whole room can feel very tense. And so just by either doing something silly together or doing some deep breathing together, you can kind of break that tension and get a fresh start. I absolutely love when listeners share their success stories with something they've learned in my podcast. So please feel free to leave a comment on my Podbean page or message me on Instagram or Facebook. You can find me at Nest Family Sleep on Facebook and Instagram and also Little Sleep Show on Instagram. So please don't hesitate to send me a message. Or if you have a question about something that I've talked about today, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to hear from you. And I also take requests on shows. 
So if there's something you really want to hear about and you want me to do an episode about, just reach out to me. I've done that a couple times. I did that for my co-sleeping episode and for my toddler sleep episode. Um, the sleep regression episode was a very requested one. So I love to interact with you guys. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. It, it makes me so happy when people learn something from this podcast, when parents learn something that makes sleep or bedtime easier for them. That's what I'm doing this for. And if you're enjoying The Little Sleep Show, please share it with your friends. Please share it on social media. It just helps us to reach more people, which is what the goal is, to reach and help as many parents and caregivers as possible. I hope you all have a great rest of the week. It's been fun talking with you. Take care of yourself and each other. Bye. back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, follow us on Instagram and Facebook for tips on sleep and a whole lot more. See you next week.